I'm Nathan Johnson, and welcome to episode number 15 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. Today, I want to give you a simple strategy for how you can stay victorious and triumphant in your Christian life. Let's dive in. It's both interesting and sad how many Christians today live defeated by sin. We presume that the best the Christian life can be is one of defeat and struggle rather than victory and triumph. Yet when we look at God's word, it is full of the triumphant truth that you can and should live victorious over sin. Now, we're not talking about sinless perfection, but sin is not to have dominion over you. You aren't to be weighed down by the destructive habits, nor are you supposed to just roll over and give in every time temptation shows up. Now, I'm going to list a bunch of verses, which, by the way, are going to be listed in the show notes for this episode. But just listen to what Scripture has to say on this idea of being triumphant and victorious. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is He who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Psalm 3, verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Psalm 61, 3. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from my enemy. Psalm 18.35 You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. Psalm 20, verse 7 and 8 Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. John 8.32 Jesus says, You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite passages, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in the triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Did you hear that? Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And you've probably heard me say this before. But the word always in the Greek means always. He will always lead us in triumph. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Your old life no longer defines you. You are a brand new creation in Jesus Christ. And it is his life and his attitude and his character that is now to define you. Romans 6, 11 through 14. Likewise, Paul says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present, which is the idea of to yield, do not present or yield your members, your life, your body, your mind as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Rather, present or yield yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Romans 8.35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then Paul jumps into verse 37 and says, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I love this passage. Paul says, even while I was an enemy, even while I was shaking my fist in God's face, even while I was dead in my sin and my trespasses, God, who was rich in mercy because of this overwhelmingly great love with which he has loved us, again, John 3, 16, that in the midst of that, he made us alive, which means he's literally restored and renewed and changed us from being enslaved in our in, in deadness to our trespasses and sins and made us alive in himself. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then Paul begins to list the armor of God. And he says, do you recognize that this armor that you are wearing, which by the way is merely Jesus Christ, 
that this armor, which is Jesus, he is our, he is a helmet of our salvation. He is our breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness. This armor that we are wearing is literally so that we can be strong and stand against the temptation, the wiles, the trickery that the enemy is going to come against you with. Hebrews 7 verse 25 Therefore, he, speaking of Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who, get, get this, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has called you out of darkness, out of sin, out of the depravity, out of the twistedness of this world, and has really brought you into his marvelous light. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 1 John chapter 2, 13 and 14, John says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. He later then says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17 goes on and says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. 1 John 4.4 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Are you starting to get the tone of scripture? See, the Christian life is one of triumph, of victory, and of life. We do not cater to sin. We are not to be pushed around by it, or nor are we to remain bound in its chains. We are to stand strong in the face of temptation and live abundant lives that overcomes and literally is triumphant. Now, again, this doesn't mean that we are going to get to a state this side of heaven where we'll be perfectly sinless. But the heart of rebellion and selfishness is not to have a voice or a position in our lives. Yes, there may be times where we must apologize or ask forgiveness. And yes, the sanctifying work of God's grace will continue throughout our lives. But we don't have to give in to sin. And we can live the lives that we are called to live in the Bible through the empowering grace and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So how can we live this way? Well, let me give you a simple strategy to stay victorious over sin. And that is merely focus. A mentor of mine once told me that we only give in to sin when we remove our spiritual focus off of Jesus. See, when Jesus is our love, when he's our delight and our passion, 
we have very little desire to give in a sin. It's only when we become distracted by the temptations in our peripheral that we remove our focus off of Jesus and put it upon temptation. And then it's only a matter of time before we give in to sin. Because here's the secret. Whatever we focus on grows bigger and stronger in our lives. Let, let, let me re-say that. Whatever we focus on grows bigger and stronger in our lives. See, if, if I want Jesus to become bigger and stronger in my life, I must be diligent in keeping my focus upon him. The moment I turn my gaze and focus upon the temptations and the joys of this world and, and, on, and, and upon sin, it's only a matter of time before I'm going to give in. Why? Because whatever I focus on grows bigger and stronger in my life. There's a great illustration. It's, it's rather old, but here's how the illustration goes. There's an Indian chief with two wolves. And one day he said, in about two weeks, we're going to put the two wolves in a fight against each other. Now, one of the wolves was big and strong and muscular, and the other one was sick and just weak and anemic. Now, on the day of the battle, they put the two wolves together, and in just a matter of seconds, the weak one triumphed and beat the big strong one. Of course, all the people came to the chief and said, how on earth did that take place? How did the weak one triumph over the strong one? Now, with a smirk, the Indian chief looked at the people and said, well, it's easy. I only fed the weak one. See, there's a principle in that that I think is fascinating as it relates to sin. See, whatever I feed, whatever I focus on, whatever I go after in my attention, see, whatever I allow my mind to dwell upon throughout the day, that is what's going to become bigger and stronger in my life. So let's take a little test. Let's just say for the next 10 seconds, whatever you do, don't think of a pink elephant. Seriously, you can think of anything you want, but no pink elephants. So you can think about anything else in the world, but no pink elephants. Seriously, stop thinking of pink elephants. Really, no pink elephants. Now, my guess is all you're thinking about is a pink elephant. And that's really how sin works. See, most of us are foolish enough to think that here we are driving down the road and, and we see a billboard that shouldn't be there. And immediately we start saying, don't think about the billboard. Don't think about the billboard. Don't think about the billboard. When in reality, what we're doing is thinking about the billboard. See, it's focus. Now, I mentor a lot of young guys around the country. And one of the things that I really press heavy on is this idea of purity. And, and granted, it's one of these big struggles of our modern age. And a lot of times I look at the guys and say, look, here you are, you're, you're gritting your teeth and you're taking gold showers or you're flicking rubber bands or you're doing whatever the modern technique is to, to you know, try to have victory over sin. When in reality, your whole mind is just engrossed in thinking about the temptation and the sin. All day long, you're just pondering, oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Oh, don't. Wouldn't that be nice if I could, but I'm not going to do it. And all I'm doing is rehearsing and thinking and focusing upon the sin. I often give guys an illustration. Here I am in my house and, and uh, I get this knock on the door. And uh, so, of course, you know, I've always gotten up and gone to the door and answered the door and, and lo and behold, there is temptation with his two hunchman cronies. Of course, I'm weak and, you know, they, they burst in and they force me to do whatever they want me to do. See, what would happen if I changed my approach to temptation? See, here I am sitting in my house and I, and I get that knock on the door. And what would happen if when I heard the knock of temptation in my life, 
I didn't just immediately go into the door. See, what if I would purposely turn my gaze, my spiritual gaze upon Jesus and say, Jesus, there's a knock upon my door. Would you go and answer that for me? And if it's not of your nature and if it's not of your character, if it's not of your, of who you are, if it's not what the word of God says my life should be about, then don't allow it to have a voice in my life. See, every time I've opened the door, I've always had, I've, I've always given into temptation. Why? Because it's bigger and stronger than I am. But nothing is bigger or stronger than Jesus. So what if I, in the middle of my temptation, would turn to Jesus and let him begin to handle the temptations of my life? Now, just for clarity, I'm fully involved. And, and yes, the, the Bible is very clear. I'm to be diligent. I'm to be discerning. I'm really to really, uh, put a guard upon my mind and only allow that which is of Jesus into my heart and my mind. Yes, I'm to be diligent. And yes, I'm to, I'm to be vigilant in, in my Christian life. But do you realize that when I'm going about my day, I want Jesus to literally be the filter through which that which is good and right can come into my life. And all that is not good and right can't come into my life. So let me play this out for you in an illustration. Again, I'm driving down the road and there's a billboard that surely shouldn't be there. Now, what most of us tend to do, as I already mentioned, is you know we, we, we kind of bounce our eyes and say, oh, don't think about the billboard. Don't think about the billboard. When in reality, all we're doing is, thinking about the billboard. So what would happen? Here I am driving down the road and I see the billboard that shouldn't be there. See, there's a temptation that is lurking on the billboard. So what would if what would happen if I saw the billboard, bounce my eyes immediately, and instead of trying to grip my teeth and try not to think about a billboard, what if I would fill my mind with Jesus? See, I'm driving down the road, I see the billboard, I bounce my eyes, and immediately I start praying, Jesus, oh, you are so amazing. Or I start quoting the scripture I've been I've memorized. Uh, one of the things I, I've prayed for years, and I just I love this idea, as I say, Jesus, capture me and captivate me. In other words, capture my attention, capture my heart, capture my mind, and then in the delight of seeing you, just so captivate me that I have no desire for sin because I see you. And it's amazing as, as I just get wrapped up into Jesus and I start to focus on Jesus and I begin to ponder his word or I spend time in prayer or as I begin to pray for other people that, that God has laid upon my heart, I find myself not even thinking about the billboard. So let's go back to our test. My guess in the last minute or so, you haven't thought of a pink elephant at all. Well, why not? Because you've had a whole different focus. See, what if I could approach temptation like that? See, what, what would happen if I began to memorize God's word and, and found a delight in who Jesus is? See, what if I would have a list of people that I've been specifically praying for that they would find Jesus? And so when the temptations show up in my life, I don't try to fight the temptation. I turn my spiritual gaze upon Jesus. I delight myself upon him. I dwell upon the word and I spend time in prayer. See, temptation, yes, it may be there in my peripheral, but oh, when I'm captivated by Jesus and when he's the big deal in my life and hey, when he's the very center of my gaze, temptation just doesn't appeal. See, the secret is focus. See, the secret is being obsessed with Jesus. See, the secret is, oh, can I get all wrapped up in him? See, see the strategy, the simple strategy to stay victorious over sin is keep your gaze upon Jesus. 
And every time that temptation lurks, every time there's that peripheral song and dance, the smoke and mirror that the enemy is trying to get you to remove your gaze off of Jesus and put upon the temptation. Immediately bounce your bounce your mind back upon Jesus. Get lost in the word. Get lost in his presence. And somehow as you begin to quote scripture, as, as you begin to, to pray and as you seek after the heart of God, you'll find that the temptation really isn't that strong. Likely it won't even be there any longer. So let's go a little bit deeper. What areas of your life have you been given into sin? What, what are the little things that you find yourself justifying that eventually lead you into the greater sins? And is your focus on Jesus or upon something or someone else? Let me, let me read you 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If you found yourself given into sin, if you found yourself allured by the things of this world, 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let me exhort you, repent, which is that idea of confess your sins and ask Jesus to keep your focus stayed upon him. Ask him to give you a spiritual fervor for himself. Ask him to just delight you in him. Ask him to just capture you and captivate you. If you respond by saying, well, it's so hard to keep my focus on Jesus. Well, then my guess is you haven't truly met Jesus. See, I used to do some youth ministry and, and I would have these high school boys that would come up to me and, and they would say, wow, I really like this girl. In fact, they didn't have to say that. I already knew that. Why? Because all they talked about was the girl. Whoa, I'm just, wow, she, and wow, oh, just, I just can't, wow, da, da, da. And they just were going on and on and on. In fact, I would look at them and just say, please stop talking about her. See, they were obsessed. Wouldn't it be interesting if I could be that way with Jesus? Ask Jesus for a passion for himself. For when I truly love him, I can't help but keep my focus upon him. It's like I can't think or talk about anything else when he's the very center of my gaze and my attention. My prayer is that you'd be captured and captivated with Jesus Christ and the majesty of his word. Don't justify sin in your life. Don't make excuses. Don't presume that the temptation that you continue to give into is just the normal Christian life. For in reality, the Christian life, the normal Christian life, is one of triumph and victory because we are filled with the one who has triumphed over death and is victorious over sin. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including all those Bible references, as well as a list of some articles and other great study helps on this topic, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 15 for episode number 15. And if you've enjoyed the podcast thus far, would you do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review on iTunes? It would be a tremendous blessing as iTunes uses these star ratings and reviews as a way to get the podcast in front of other people. So if you think others should hear the podcast, I'd encourage you to take 30 seconds and go to the ratings and review section of this podcast on iTunes. And just for ease, there's a link in the show notes. Well, until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.